pasta. Forget your linguine, forget your rice and get some spuds because otherwise these spuds were risking going to waste, weren't they? Well, basically they're faced with the people who are contracted to buy these potatoes are saying we've got no home for them and we don't want them and they were going to get choked in a hole. We thought that we would give some of them a new home in the food parcels that have been going out back to our Rotary Club to families in need in Hereford City. So basically, we are um, bagging these from a massive box, which I'll take a photo of, to go on to the blog. It seems to have a billion studs in it. Right, which basically means... We don't know how many's in here, but it's about, I don't know, well, it's well over five kilos. And so these will go to people that the Rotary are supporting. And the way that those families have been identified is through the schools. Because, of course, during this pandemic, the risk is that kids that are from areas that are more challenging won't have enough food at home. So Rotary so far has delivered, I think, 780 parcels. They're aiming for a thousand and they're hoping to be able to repeat the process. So Careful, because Trish is just computing that in terms of how many bags of spuds she's got to put together in a minute. <laughs> now, um, these spuds aren't washed, are they? No, these are... Um, as they've come out of the field, they've been in store obviously over the winter time. Um, but they're in good nick, I and mean, there's a lot of rot in them which we can pick out. But on the whole, they're good, good sound taters. Now, I know I'm supposed to know this because I am a farmer's wife, but, and I know what the difference is in terms of look and taste. 
but how can you have an old potato and a new potato when you pick your new potatoes and there's none there? So how can you then get an old potato? Basically what that means is what they should be described as is whether they're set skin or not. And so if you dig a potato up and its top is still green, you will get what looks like a new potato. Yes. The skin will rub off between the fingers. Yeah. So does Ian grow new potatoes? Sorry? Were these once new? They were once new, but they were never dug as new because what happens is that once the tops died, in the ground they set their skin. Now you'll have seen them in the autumn with the tops all trailed off, waiting to be harvested. Oh yeah. Now that period of time is when they set their skin. And that's what gives you, because then they'll store. If you take a freshly dug potato and try and put it in store, yeah. it's got no protection. So it, 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 they just go rotten. Oh, I it's see. It's like trying to store a green cabbage. Would a normal gardener grow old potatoes? Uh, if they do, they have to go through the same process so that they will get the potato to set its skin by taking the top off it before they dig it. I see. So there's more nutrition in an older potato? Oh! No, the nutrition is about the same, although it's a good question, but they do change their chemical setup and they will levels and those are things that you adjust in store. When, he, they, wants, when he wants to shut stuff, he sticks to it. Yeah. <laughs> As they get older, these things change. So I know Ian commented to me the other day that he'd got some chipping potatoes, but the fry colour was getting too dark. And basically that's a criteria, probably fairly arbitrary, but <laughs> I don't expect they taste any different. The customer wants them to fry to a reasonably light colour. What, like a white instead of a yellow? Or? No, they, when you fry them and they go golden, that's just sort of in there. But when they go brown, that's too dark. Oh, good. Yeah, that was too dark. So. I should also comment that I'm not a potato farmer, so if you find any fault with what I'm saying, do feel free, <laughs> because most of my knowledge is based on what I've overheard in the pub. Or I've been sworn at while I'm having a dim and distant past dug a few potatoes for various people. I have also dug potatoes, but my dad had the brilliant idea that we were doing it by hand. Uh, he also once had the brilliant idea that it was no good churning your hay with a machine. And so he took us out to our four acres and told us that we had to turn the hay by hand. That lasted a good few days before we told him where to go. <laughs> so why is Herefordshire so good for growing spuds? Because the soil is of the consistency that gives a really good food. Oh. And it's naturally very fertile. We naturally have about, give or take, it's a bit rich this year, but about the right amount of water. So it's not too dry and hopefully it's not too wet. Now, our local Rotary Club is amazing. It's doing all sorts of things all year round for our local causes, national and international. 
It's good to be a part of that. But really, the hero in this little project is Ian, because he's delivered us these boxes of spuds, and really, we're just breaking them down into smaller bags. But this came about from Ian coming round to pay you a big check. Right. Would you like to explain this? Because I know you don't grow potatoes, and I know why. It's because it tends to be harsh on the land, and you don't have it as part of your normal crop rotation. So, 
With potatoes, do you plant them later and harvest them sooner or something then? Hang on, is that new potatoes? Well, they could be newish. <laughs> they will get. Can't wait to see those in the shop. They will probably. <laughs> so early potatoes like that could get harvested green, so new potatoes to you and me. Yeah. But actually, they will go straight from the field into the crisp factory. Oh. In our case, Tyrrells. Yeah. Or they will go to chips. Oh. So these these potatoes here are they normally a crisp? Potatoes. These are a chipping potato, I gather. Are these uh, McCain's McDonald's? That sort of thing, yes. Yeah. Right. Only another 300 bags to go through? Oh, at least, I think. <laughs> yeah. We've got a little hole going on now in our fire. Yeah, we'll get in the box soon. OK, Phil, so we're in the cow shed. And I can see a, well, I think it's quite a large calf, actually. Yeah, he's one of a the white ones. calf <laughs> stood in the middle of the feeder, he's looking very pleased, very pleased with himself. What well, is he doing? Um, I don't know whether it's common knowledge, but young animals like to play. And one of their favourite games, whether they're calves or lambs or whatever, is something along the lines of I'm the king of the castle. So mm. if they see an opportunity to climb up on something, they usually will. Now, he's complicated it a bit for himself because yeah. having got into the feeder, he's now wondering how he can get out. Yes. And um, he probably will when he gets hungry enough. Yeah. But right now, he is the kiddie because his mates are all around the outside thinking he's up in the air. Mm. And he's looking very pleased with himself. Very good. Now, um, we're inside the shed and it's mid-April and I've noticed that the feeder seems shorter <laughs> than usual. Yeah. Um, which I assume is because we are stood on about a metre of muck. Not quite that much, but yes, we're, we're at the point. And this is an interesting situation in these sheds because this year we've had fewer cattle in here and we've not mucked them out halfway through the uh, winter. And the result of that has been that they've got a bit more muck in them but also the muck is starting to break down at the bottom and this is where the loader tractor is sinking into it and you're getting holes in it, it's, break, it's losing its structure. It's composting. It is composting effectively. Yeah. And that actually is quite serious because that means that the cattle have got to go out fairly soon because otherwise they will start to sink, in, sink into it and could hurt themselves. I see. So, but basically we use barley straw because it's soft and they'll eat some of it and it's good for them and it's much more absorbent than wheat straw and we, we grow it so we're fortunate enough to have it so we litter with barley straw deep litter so every day or every other day we put fresh straw in and add to it and that's why the muck builds up and then once or twice a year we empty it out and take it away uh, monty and i are currently debating whether we can use it on the farm or as we do at the moment we sell it to a neighbour it'd be great if you could use it i think so and it and it may be that if we could work it into the system we could at the very least use it on our permanent pasture which would be quite a useful way of using it which would benefit the permanent pasture as well as using our muck. because the worry you've got with the muck with the seed is that there'll be weed seeds well, in it that could cause an issue when, by feeding the grass seed straw 
There are grass seeds in the grass seed straw and the grass weeds are the hardest weeds to deal with out in the field. So there is a problem with putting grass weeds back out on the farm, both for seed production and any other production. But you could compost it, then you could test to see if it germinated, then that would prove to you. You could, but you will find that there will always be a percentage that will germinate even years afterwards, and it's what percentage you're willing to put up with, because at the end of the day, you may end up having to go out and rogue those plants by hand. Yes, but the, the seed grew in the field anyway, so there must be a percentage of seeds that will regrow in that field, even if you plough it and toil it and whatever. And that's where rotation comes in, so you could... Also, you shouldn't have seeds in the grass seed straw because they're seeds. No, so you <laughs> will have thrashed them into the combine you never and get, harvested them. You never get all of them out. Then you need to be improving this. No, you can't improve it because that's how it is. You well, I think the milk should be used. But the point is... <laughs> that you have to try and fit it into the system and you have to also fit into the system the cost and effort required to use the muck over the benefits of doing something um, rotation wise instead of it. Watch this space, this is a 25 year discussion. So that you have a rotation which includes grass in the system which builds your organic matter in the soil, maintains your soil health Whereas if you have a rotation which is just, say, wheat and rape, you will end up having to add organic matter to even stand still. So it's a question of working it out for the farm. (laughs) And I don't like roving. Hang on. Um, The thing I was going to ask you about is, so uh, we're inside the barn or the shed. By the way, what's the difference between a barn and a shed? Good question. Barns I usually think of as bigger than sheds, but you have a cattle shed. But in America, interestingly, you have a cattle barn. So. Are we in a shed or a barn? Well, in my well, I just to complicate the issue, we're in a cattle yard. So. Okay. Well, anyway, the thing is, it's absolutely stunning because the sun comes in between the wooden strips. Yeah. Obviously, the wooden strips, they've got gaps in them. Yeah. So... I mean, aesthetically, it's just stunning. You know, it's everything you want from a grand design, isn't it? Well, there are a lot of schools of thought on barns, sheds, yards, whatever you want to call them. If I ever put up a new barn for any purpose, I will put skylights in it purely for the purposes of it making it reasonable to work in. From a cattle point of view, they like skylights, they like light. But the real reason that, and this is called Yorkshire boarding. This hey, is, from Yorkshire. <laughs> from Yorkshire. Hey, pet. <laughs> but uh. the, the idea is totally for ventilation. Right. So basically, a cow is designed for outdoor use. It comes with a waterproof hide, and it doesn't mind if it gets a bit damp from time to time. But what it doesn't like is drafts and unable to get any shelter. I've just seen two cyclists go by. That's an excitement because, of course, we're in lockdown. So normally we look out of our window to see who's going by. But now it's like, oh, humans. Well, it's been hilarious because uh, for us, lockdown is a means of watching how people are coping with it. And the first thing we noticed was that because people are obviously allowed to get out and about and they have the time to get out and about, there's a lot of very dusty looking bicycles <laughs> and rather tight fitting lycra was dusted off and there were a lot of miles covered uh, in the first few days and then we think it diminished for a few days and we think there was a bit of stiffness mm, a slight fitness mm. issue and now it's settled down to a more regular 
you know, gentle activity. So we're pleased to see the fitness of the neighbourhood improving quietly. I spotted a lesser known species of ex-employee who had overthought their own abilities, um, which were just on the lower regions of Stockley Hill. Ah. <laughs> yes. Oh. I've seen one or two on Stockley Hill <laughs> and in various states of disrepair as they find out that it's a long way up Stockley Hill. Stockley Hill's a one in four, is it? Pretty steep. Yeah. But it goes on and on and on. Anyway, where were we? So Yorkshire Borden. Yorkshire Borden, yes. So primarily it's for ventilation. So the key to a healthy cow inside is to make sure that the air moves around without being drafty and the hot air that a cow naturally produces can get out because you don't want condensation and you don't want heat and so from that point of view that is the purpose of Yorkshire boarding ventilation without allowing the weather in. So just so I explain this right the Yorkshire boarding slab is about a hand Stretched yeah, hand each, wide. Each plank is about six inches, six or seven inches by one inch thick. Yeah. And the gaff is the same width as the thickness of the board. So, so it's, it's an, inch. an inch. Okay. And that's the principle of it. There are variations of it, and I am sure that there will be one or two people who will come back and tell me, hey, that's not Yorkshire boarding, <laughs> that's Lancashire boarding. Yeah. In Yorkshire, we have one and a quarter inch gap or some such. Well, I'd like to but, point out to you that it is, in fact, Herefordshire boarding. Well, this is. But anyway, the principle is ventilation. And these buildings are old. They have no ventilation in the ridge. And so they're quite low and they're long and narrow so that their ventilation is not good. If we built a cattle yard, it wouldn't be like this. It would be taller, more like our newer yard, and it would be, allow the hot air to go up and hit the roof and then go straight out. So our newer yard, which is open fronted, is much better ventilated and that's why the oldest calves are in there. Looking at our farm now compared to all those years ago that we used to make the podcast, um, because this series is for lockdown, the change really is less cattle, isn't it? We've basically stopped farming our farm in Wales because the difficulties of farming across a country border with bovine TB were becoming completely impractical. Why? And basically because they were suggesting that we were going to have to TB test every animal every time it crossed the border. Yeah. Now, whether you agree or disagree with that is fairly incidental. From a farming point of view, the cost benefit wasn't there. And so we were taking the view that we would have to draw our horns in on that front. We'll have a few fewer cattle, which we've done. And, and So how many suckler cows have you got? We've got about 70 suckler cows at the moment. And at the height of it, we had 130? 140, 150 yeah. even. Yeah. But we haven't actually had to... We've, we've done it by natural wastage. We just haven't replaced cows. So that we haven't actually sold any and we haven't actually had to cull any that weren't due to be culled anyway. So we had a period in the middle where we had far too many cattle for the grass we had available. Yeah. So that that's one change. And the other change, I suppose, which we're just coming up to thinking about, is that we are reaching the end of our environmental scheme. We're in what's called higher level and entry level scheme. And we're just coming to the end of that scheme. And we're thinking that actually, after our experiences, the way that we're going to go is to go for a lesser environmental scheme over the whole farm and then go for specific 
projects, whether they're drainage, water quality, or um, you know improvements that way environmentally to the farm as specific projects as being better suited to us. And one of the aspects of that will be that we reclaim some land that was set aside for the environment because it's not worked as well as the scheme suggested it should, i.e. it's been overtaken by brambles and birch trees and so it's not an environmental haven, it's a jungle. Don't worry, listener. I'm not going to let him get away with this. This will be on a show coming soon where I ask Farmer Phil the key question that I know is in your mind, which is, Phil, are you talking environment or are you talking money from the government? Anyway, I won't let him answer that now because he wants to, but uh, we'll leave that for another show. But one thing I wanted to say to you, Phil, is that I feel really proud about is our hedge. So you and I planted that hedge, I think, in 2005. Some time ago, but he's growing well, isn't he? And he goes down the drive and it's a mixed hedge, isn't it? Yeah. And it's beautifully trimmed. And everything grew in it, so that there were no... Um, <laughs> Miracle. Well, there were no... We planted, I think, seven or maybe eight species in it. Yeah. And there are no gaps. Every plant was successful, and at varying times of the year, you see different bits of blossom in it and different fruits later on in the year. And you can see the, the variety in it, and I think it's starting to look good now. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Okay, so we'll come back to Phil on his... Um, his exclamation that his environmental land needs to come back into production and find out if he's just a money-grabbing farmer or whether he has got a balance at heart. I think I'll bring Monty into this discussion. Thanks for listening to the Wiggly Podcast. If you want to know anything more about us, just go to the website www.wigglywigglers.co.uk And now you can leave a question for Farmer Phil or Terry or me if you really want to, even Monty. Anyway, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.